Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. I'm here. Technology is beautiful. I can hear him. Oh, good. I can hear him. All right. All right. Hey, what's up, Rod? Hey, can you see me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, the screen is not towards me, but that's okay. Um, okay. But I'll, um, so, hey, we're excited to have you, Rod. Where, where are you from right now? Where are you living? Uh, I'm in Santa Cruz, California, and uh, on, a, on a very uh, blustery day with uh, some wind and some rain, and uh, I'm really happy to be with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. We're excited to have you. Um, we're excited to have you this morning. Um, we're, uh, we've been, I, know, I, I think I, I definitely told Rod already, but if you're just jumping into us, um, we're, <laughs> I need some help with my guitar here. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, Rod, stand by. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm going I'm to turn I off once, the... I was in I'm chains, gonna... now I'm, I'm, I'm free. Um, okay. <laughs> So hey, we're, we've been in an identity series. We're super excited about it, man. It's been it's been transformational. It's been, we've been setting foundations for our Christian life, and um, and so I, I know you know Rod, you're someone that walks in, in some pretty um, not just deep but really life changing and in some ways very simplistic theology about um, about our uh, about really the, the, the our 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 beliefs of who God is in us and around us. And I honestly, Rod, I've been radically just blessed and, um, and changed every time you speak, um, at our church, you've been here at least once. And I, even when I get to, to see you on Facebook on your short things that you do. And, um, so I, I'm just, I'm excited to let you loose on our, on our church. Um, and I'm expecting something amazing is going to happen. Um, um, one more thing I'll say is, um, at, he's going to share for a while, and then at the end, we're going to have some Q&A. So if, you know, I, I encourage you, whether you have a notepad or your phone, or even just go ahead and put them right into the comments. He's not going to stop. Most likely, he's not going to stop and answer questions. But we're going to kind of write down your questions, get them, uh, uh, get them down. As, so if you want to type them right into the comment section, you can. Or you can save them for when we ask for them at the end. Either way, we'll hopefully I have some time for that, if the Lord wills, and see what the anointing does. Um, and we'll do that at the end. We'll, we'll jump back in and we'll, we'll have them answer some questions. That'll be really powerful. Um, we're also going to be taking communion. Hallelujah. So if you got the uh, church-wide text message, and if you didn't get it, you have to, you have to uh, subscribe to it. It's, um, it's, you got to type presence. Um, you got to text 970-00-97000 and just put the name presence in there and hit send. And it'll be subscribed. And so, but you should have had been ready with the communion elements. So go get them right now. If you haven't done that yet, I hope you have them ready because Rod's going to actually take us through communion. Oh, I'm so excited. On Palm Sunday, this is the week before Jesus came, out, um, came on the stage and, and um, walked up to the cross. And, 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 and it's just going to be awesome. It's an awesome day. He, I love it. We, just, we, we welcome him with Palm Sunday um, uh, today. And then... Um, and then we crucify him next week. So there's, there's that. So, um, but Rod, I'll let you take it from here. Um, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go when you're awesome. ready to go. Awesome. All I'll right. stop talking and let you go. <laughs> okay. Audio good? Yep. I think it is. Let me double check. Are we good with right, the audio, great. Michael? 
Awesome. Cool. Go for it. Great. Yeah. Um, wow. What unusual times we're in, you know, I'm so happy to be here with, with you guys today and to be able to, uh, to connect. Cause I think a lot of us are feeling a little disconnected. You know, we haven't been around as many people as we normally would for good reasons. And, uh, so it's really good to kind of, uh, take a moment and connect. And part of what we want to do today is we want to reinforce uh, who we are in Jesus. I, I love Jesse and, and the series he's been doing. I've listened to um, two or three of, of the series that he's done on identity. And um, I just love how he creates a foundation for you to know who you are. You know, the gospel is who Jesus is, what he accomplished, and who we are in him. And when we stay focused on the gospel, it helps us in times like this when we are feeling disconnected or a lot is coming at us to not fall into fear. So <clears throat> we're going to be talking about union today. And um, I just want to welcome everyone who's here. I, I know I have a couple friends from uh, the UK who are tuning in and some other places as well. And we're going to really kind of dive into this. I, what I was feeling for today is uh, we're going to read some scriptures together. There's some uh, beautiful uh, sections from uh, some books of friends of ours that, that deal with this topic. And I just want to read over you and help you feel the reality of the situation, which is sometimes we feel that God is far from us because the world's in our face. Eternity's in our heart, but the world's in our face. And so we want to just slow down for a moment, behold Jesus and the nearness uh, that is in Christ Jesus, who lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let's just pray for a second. Um, we thank you, Jesus, that you did not just point fingers at us from a distance, but that you came amongst us. And you included us in you and you showed it what showed us what it meant to be sons and daughters, to live in the way that you created us, which is to live in union and consciousness of that union and that connection that we have with you, with your father, with Holy Spirit and with one another. Minister to us that reality today, Jesus, and we say to fear be gone in Jesus' name. And we welcome Holy Spirit to come minister to us the nearness of God and our union with you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so um, if you would like to connect with us more, uh, we're Rodine Williams on Facebook. That's because my, my lovely wife, Eileen and Rod, we put our names together and it's Rodine. And um, you can follow us there and we talk about this kind of thing and, and share uh, different events that are going on. Um, so also, you, if you're interested, uh, there's a seminary called Cana Seminary that we administer online and it's uh, the videos from some amazing uh, speakers. We did our live seminary a couple years ago in, in Portland and that's at cana.co. And uh, <clears throat> You know, this is a, a time where we should be remembering uh, our friends who maybe 
don't have as many people uh, to connect with, like like uh, Jesse was saying. It's wonderful that you guys are calling each other. You're reaching out and you're connecting. And <clears throat> we want to we want to encourage you to stay connected with people. Don't be uh, kind of unreachable or withdraw, you know, because uh, we want to stay connected and stay strong with one another. A great verse to remember, it's become kind of a, a meditation mantra for me in this season is, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That would be 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, the sound mind is sometimes translated as self-control or discipline or sound judgment. But when we're connected with the Holy Spirit in union, his perfect love casts out fear. There's no room for fear in the circle of Father, Son, Holy Spirit that you're included. And you're never really in a group of less than four people because wherever you are, there's always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't come to coach us on how to reduce distance to God. He came to announce that there is no distance between you and his Father and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read about that in a moment in, in John 14. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When the Holy Spirit is operating and we're conscious of our union, uh, <laughs> when we're conscious of our union, we have power. We don't feel powerless. We feel like we have power over the situation. And we're not withdrawn, but we feel a wellspring of love within us that we're able to share with other people. And we're not confused. God's not the author of confusion or fear. But when we're connected and we're conscious, we have sound thinking and self-discipline and, and, uh, and good judgment. And so I, I bless each of us listening today with that. And if you've, for some reason, are listening and you're not sure of your relationship with Jesus or you've never really uh, received his reception of you, uh, this would be a great time to do it. And the fact that you're tuned in probably means that he's already speaking to you about that. So open your heart to him today. So we're going to talk about union, which is not distance, but nearness of God. Jesus was called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And if God is with us, he's not far from us. So we're going to talk about why we belong and why we matter. We're going to talk about how we participate in this life of union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about how the consciousness of union affects our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with others. Then we're going to receive joyful communion. I don't believe communion was given to us as uh, the way it's been, you know, sometimes dealt with in the church as a time to see what's wrong with you. I think it's a time to remind yourself of what Jesus did and how near Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, and to actually experience joy and healing and health uh, to your bodies. Let's start by reading John 14, 1 through 20. Um, I was, years ago, I was going somewhere to, to, to teach on this, and 
the Lord said, you know, we only, the, the church often only reads this passage at, at funerals or at really sad times. But the Holy Spirit said, well, what if this is not about later? What if this is about now? What if these, these uh, many houses that, that God has prepared are not some future location, but they're a present reality? And that's what union is about, is the present reality of our connection with God. So in John 14, I'm going to read from the Phillips. If you have your Bible and you want to read along, um, John 14 says, you must not let yourself be distressed. You must hold on to your faith in God and your, to your faith in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. If there were not, I should have told, should, I should have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. It is true that I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but it is not. It is just as true that I'm coming again to welcome you into my own home so that you may be where I am. You know where I'm going and you know the road I'm going to take. And this he's speaking of what's going to happen. Uh, we're, today we're at Palm Sunday. Later in the week is when this was uh the night before he went up to Jerusalem to be delivered in the hands of men. This is when this passage occurred. But he said, I'm going to be with you. And I believe he's speaking of union, as we'll see here later in verse 20. So Thomas didn't get it any more than we do. He says, we don't know where you're going. And how, and how can we know the road you're going to take? And Jesus said, I myself am the road and the truth and the life. No one approaches the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Have I been with you such a long time? Or uh, then Philip says to him, show us the Father, Lord, and we shall be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you such a long time? without you really knowing me, Philip. The man who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do, not believe, do, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The very words I say to you are not my own. It is the Father who lives in me, who carries out his work through me. Do you believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? But if you cannot, then believe because of what you see me do. I assure you that the man who believes in me will do the same things that I've done. Yes, and he will do even greater things than these. For I am going away to the Father. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do, that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And if you ask, ask me anything in my name, I will grant it. Jesus goes on to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments I've given you, and I shall ask the Father to give you someone else to stand by you, to be with you always. I mean the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, for it can neither see nor recognize that spirit. But you recognize him, for he is with you now and will be in your hearts. I'm not going to leave you alone in the world. I'm coming to you. In a very little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I'm really alive and you will be alive too. 
when that day comes, you'll realize that I'm in my father, that you are in me and I am in you. You've got to get this picture that for years we guessed about God, you know, and even in the scriptures, we see, you know, going back to one of the first books, Job, people speculating about what God is really like. And uh, in Hebrews, it says in times past, he spoke this way, but now he's spoken clearly by his son. So Jesus makes this astounding declaration that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. What does that mean? It means that when you saw Jesus touch a leper that was against the law and see him healed, you saw the father heal the leper. When you saw Jesus sit with the woman at the well who'd had five husbands and tell her uh, that there was a well of living water within her and not exclude her because she was kind of a, a half Jew and half Samaritan. When you saw Jesus sit down and include that woman in his life and his and, and, and give to her the gift of of uh, the revelation of the wellspring of life within her, uh, you saw the father do that. When you saw Jesus <clears throat> go to eat with Zacchaeus, who was a scoundrel and an extortionist and hated by the Jewish people, you saw the father dine with Zacchaeus and not condemn him but apparently love him so much that the next day he made everything right and, and returned what he had stolen. When you saw Jesus with the woman caught in adultery thrown at his feet, and he said to her, neither do I condemn you. You saw the father include her and not condemn her. <clears throat> when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. So no longer do you have to guess that the Father of Jesus has a different agenda than the Son. If you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. And if you've seen the Father and the Son, you've seen the Spirit. For so long in the church, we thought, well, we received Jesus. And then we something happened and we got the Holy Spirit and then we just assume the Father's always out there somewhere. But you see, we were made in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who from all eternity were cross face to face with one another. They travel together. They don't move separately. Now, our perception of them can, can change and Sometimes we're more aware of their nearness or we're more aware of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but they're always there. So when you receive Jesus, you're receiving the Father and the Spirit. But even better news is not about your receiving Jesus, but that Jesus has already received you. And he demonstrated that in his life here was that he went where he was needed. He said the, the sick realize they need a physician, right? And as long as we feel like we got it all together and we don't need him, then we live in an alternate reality 
which is we're not connected to God. Or when things happen in our lives, when fear comes to call, fear is kind of the evangelist of the enemy. A little bit of fear gets in, and then it makes room for, for doubt. It makes room for anxiety. It makes room for depression and all the other bad stuff. But John tells us in 1 John that his perfect love casts out fear. We don't fear doesn't balance love. Fear can't exist where the the pure love of God has reign and consciousness inside of us. So especially in this time, let's remember we we want to be wise, you know, and in, in dealing with with all of this, but we don't want to give fear a foothold because then we we lose power and love and sound thinking. It begins to erode when we give place to fear. So we say no to fear in this time, and we say yes to our union with Jesus. You see, we were made for union. We weren't made to live independent of God. We were made to live within the circle of unity of the triune God. Augustine said, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Pascal said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. He went on to say that we try in vain to fill it with everything, seeking things that are not there to help. And he, and he though none can help, since the infinite abyss can only be filled with the infinite and immutable object, in other words, God himself. So God is a trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Because, see, God is not alone from all eternity. Because if you're alone, you can't know love. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit agreed in their love to create us in their image. I want to read a little passage from a friend of ours, um, Baxter Kruger, that really kind of paints a picture of life within the Trinity that we have been invited into as creation. Maybe you want to take a moment and just let this kind of wash over you. Because I think one of the things that we're growing in as the body of Christ is language to describe the relationship from which we were created and which we are included. And many times we, because we we feel distance, we talk about God as if He's distant and separate, but He's united Himself with us. So, just let this uh, kind of wash over you here. From all eternity, God is not alone and solitary, but lives as Father, Son, and Spirit in a rich and glorious and abounding fellowship of utter oneness. There's no emptiness in this circle. No depression or fear or insecurity. The Trinitarian life is a great dance of unchained communion and intimacy, fired by passionate, self-giving, and other-centered love and mutual delight. This life is good. It's right, unique, full of music and joy, blessedness, and peace. Such love, giving rise to such togetherness and fellowship and oneness, is the womb of the universe and humanity within it. The stunning truth is that this triune God in amazing and lavish love 
determined to open the circle and share the Trinitarian life with others. Before the creation of the world, the Father, Son, and Spirit set their love upon us and planned to bring us to share and know and experience the Trinitarian life itself. Before creation, it was decided that the Son would cross every chasm between the triune God and humanity and establish a real and abiding relationship with us, union. Jesus was predestined to be the mediator, the one in and through whom the very life of the triune God would enter human existence, and human existence would be lifted up to share in the Trinitarian life. The Spirit's pa passion is to bring his anointing of Jesus to full and personal and abiding expression in us as unique persons, and not only in us personally, but in our relationship with the Father in Jesus and in our relationships with one another, and indeed with all creation until the whole cosmos is a living sacrament of the great dance of the triune God. Whew, a lot of glory on that. You see, you weren't made by three angry judges in an empty courtroom. You were made by love itself. You were begotten by love, you exist in love, and you're returning to love. And if that sounds like new age to you, <laughs> read, read John, read the book of John. Uh, read the Gospels again, because uh, John later on in his life went so far as to say God is love. It doesn't mean necessarily that love is God. Um, but it does mean that God is so consistent in his love and so inclusive in who he who he chooses to love that the apostle John later in his life said God is love right and you might be thinking right now well what about being born again rod what about receiving uh Jesus absolutely receive Jesus absolutely participate in the life that's being offered you and the life for which you were created and absolutely let go of every hindrance, every weight, every uh, bad idea and bad behavior that that in your mind, as it says in Colossians 121, we become enemies in our minds because of our our evil behaviors. We we um, God is everywhere, but we can separate ourselves from God by our bad ideas and our sins and our behaviors, right? But as Paul says to the pagans in Acts 17, he says, but he's not far from any one of us. So the moment that your heart opens, you begin to experience that connection that God is freely offering. See, love doesn't control. Every willing, every loving relationship requires willing participation by both parties. But God has all his cards on the table in the person of Jesus Christ, who let every drop of blood drain into the ground of creation upon the cross. Jesus gave everything that he had that you might know how loved you are. You say, well, when, when, we're, when don't we need to be born again? Well, it, again, is actually from above. Yes, we do need to be born from above, born again. But uh, Peter says we were born anew when Christ was raised from the dead. That's one way to look at it. You could say you're born again when you're conscious and you receive Jesus into your heart. You could say you were, you were born of God 
as Paul says in Ephesians 3, every family on earth derives their name from him. So whatever explanation of being born again, you need to be convinced that you're in the family. <laughs> That's the one that that uh, um, you can focus on. But if you're if you're not certain, open your heart to Jesus and ask him, uh, will you come in or are you in there if you're doubting? And uh, the Holy Spirit has promised to lead and guide you into all truth. Um, sometimes we we think we're going somewhere uh, to find God, but we realize all along he's been finding us. Um, Romans 2, 4 says uh, it's his kindness that leads us to change our mind or to repent. It's not our repentance that leads God to kindness. He's kind first, then we uh, we repent. And John says we love him because he first loved us. You see, Jesus is the initiator in the relationship and we're the responder. He put his heart out there first. He loved us first so that we could respond in love and ultimately participate in union. You see, a marriage is not a marriage certificate. A marriage is a relationship. So Jesus is not looking to punch your ticket or move you from the out column to the in column. He's wondering, will you participate in the loving relationship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always planned for you. You see, they have this perfect, seamless union of mutual indwelling, other-centered love. That's the kind of love he wants you to participate in. But it's not the kind of love that makes you go away as an individual. It's the kind of love that celebrates you and empowers you to be who you were originally created to be. When you get married, <clears throat> you don't want your wife to become you or your husband to become you. You want them to maintain their distinct identity. And yet there's this other thing that happens where the two become one. And that is a relationship of union. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that it's a picture of our relationship with Christ, of union. So, so often uh, we've been taught to point to the marriage certificate and as if that was the that was, you know, what the marriage was all about. But no, the marriage is about participation. The marriage is about getting free from your bad behaviors and your sins and the weights that beset you and get, getting rid of the fears and experiencing the power and the love and the right thinking that is part of an active living relationship of union. That's who you were made to be in Christ. You were made to live in union. <clears throat> so the Trinity made us in their image. And this is something, some of our thinking that has to be undone. We weren't made to be separate from God. That's the result of the fall. You know, Adam walked with God every day and he had a wonderful relationship with him. And then he believed a lie that he was not like God. And then he thought it was a good idea to hide in the bushes from God. But God came as he normally did. And he said, where are you, Adam? Jesus came and he answered that question for all of us. And he said, here, here I am and I'm still one with you, Father. And he, he modeled that for us and he modeled that as us. You see, 
sin does two different things. For humans, it makes you hide in the bushes with Adam. But it makes God come calling for you in the cool of the day as he always has. You see, God doesn't move. And one of the reasons that we don't get free of sin and bad behaviors is we don't realize that he's right there. He's not moving. There's, you see, only love that can't be changed by your behavior has the power to change your behavior. Let me say that again. Only love that can't be changed by your behavior has the power to change your behavior. And that would be the unconditional, powerful, <clears throat> ever-present love of Almighty God. Yeah. <laughs> so what what is this union like? Well, in union, we have, we belong. If you think about it, the reasons we sin, the reason we get in trouble sometimes is because we don't feel like we either belong or we don't matter. So we try to look for love in all the wrong places, try to belong, try to get some group to to um, fill a void that only God can fill, as Pascal was talking about. So in belonging, we find love, friendship, family, fellowship, hospitality, all the the good things. What do we know of hospitality? How do we know to make people feel welcome or included or loved? <clears throat> that came from our family of origin, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But not only do we belong, we don't disappear in this belonging. See, one of the things you know when, when there's health and, and you're in a group and you're loved, they're concerned with empowering who you were created to be, not making you be just like everybody else. You see, the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Father, the Spirit is not Jesus, but they experience the full measure of each other. Jesus had all the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he had perfect fellowship with the Father when he, when he was on earth, but he was distinct. That's why John 14, 20 says, you'll realize I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and the, you're in me, and um, that you have union. But you also matter. The unique you, <laughs> the unique you that Jesus held in his heart and in his mind's eye when he spoke the worlds into existence, your eye color, your gift mix, who you are, what makes you a unique color on the canvas of Holy Spirit to paint upon creation is, is celebrated and empowered in this seamless, constant union. You are created with genuine, unique value in creation. And you see, if you see that, you're not looking to stand out for all the wrong reasons or to find some identity by bizarre behaviors or or uh, you're not looking to belong where you don't really belong right and we've all seen we've all seen this so we have this union with distinction this is very important because <clears throat> a lot of the churches preach separation and distance for so long that when people discover union they uh, lose sight of distinction and you need both you still matter you're not in some amorphous, you know, thing where creation, 
all creation is in Christ, but there is the creator and there's creation. And there is Christ in you, the hope of glory, but you're not one amorphous cosmic Christ. You know, there is a cosmic Christ in the sense that he's everywhere in the cosmos, but we don't all become the same person because we were made for a reason with value. And both of those things are important. <clears throat> so Jesus came to communicate who the father was and who the spirit was. And he didn't just communicate facts. Remember when he was in the temple and he taught, they said, wow, he doesn't talk like uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. He doesn't teach like them. He teaches with authority. Man, imagine the authority on the creator in the middle of creation talking about God and his relationship. I mean, there's a lot. I really enjoyed the worship this morning. There was a lot of whack on the worship, you know, and you can feel the spirit. But imagine the whack that was on Jesus when he taught. <laughs> imagine the whack that was on Jesus when he's sitting and dining with at Zacchaeus's house, right? What would that have been like? You know, he he would look people in the eyes. And I think, you know, when you see someone, you know, you get excited. Right. And you, you there's this look of recognition. You know, uh, I remember a few years ago, we ran into somebody I knew at the airport, just random, you know, and and just, you know, you just kind of jump for joy and grab each other because it was an unexpected blessing an unexpected connection, you know. And so imagine Jesus, he knows everybody, right? He made everybody. So when he looks at them, uh, the, uh, whoa, the, uh, there was a, this family recognition, right? And there was a connection. That's why Jesus could go to these, the, the 12, you know, and he'd say, hey, follow me. And they don't, they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. But there's something about the way Jesus looked at them and talked with them. And he said, uh, follow me. And I think that was the, the, the union. There's a connection. There's a, it's called perichoresis, which means kind of a mutual indwelling, other-centered love, a, a mutual dance of, of love. And <clears throat> there was a connection, a heartfelt connection. And you know that connection is still available. And it, it's, uh, when we read the word, we can read the Bible, we can read it you know, under a religious spirit and all we see is finger pointing and what's wrong. But when we read it under the guidance of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would lead us and guide us into all truth, we begin to feel that connection of union and become conscious of it, right? And so sometimes in the beginning of that, we might become conscious of what's wrong with us because that's the job of the accuser of the brethren that's a different spirit that tries to point out everything that's wrong <clears throat> but god keeps no record of wrongs you know love doesn't keep a record of wrongs and god's is love he's so consistent we can say god is love so hebrews 9 14 tells us how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure with pure water. Peter 
talks about this. John talks about this. And even in Revelation, he talks about unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. How are we made nigh by the blood of Christ? Was the father paid off or did the father forgive? I think the obstacle to our feeling clean before God, like it talks about in Hebrews, is our evil conscience, you know? If our conscience bothers us, it's intimacy requires innocence. So God is trying through the Holy Spirit to convince us of our innocence so that we might have intimacy in union. You see, if a, if a husband or a wife in a marriage, if one is unfaithful and the other doesn't know it, it will still affect the intimacy because the conscience of the offending party will um, detract from the intimacy, right? Until there's confession and forgiveness and the air is cleared, right? And so the blood of Christ, um, if, if, if you see it as a transaction, that's, you see it as a transaction, but Hebrews is trying to tell us it's for our conscience so that we may know that we're clean, you see? And the Father so desperately wants you to know that there's no obstacle between you and fellowship with him. Sometimes we think that, yes, Jesus forgave us, and maybe we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the Father has a different agenda. But you see, the Father doesn't have another God that he reports to. He doesn't have a God named Justice that he has to go get approval to love you. He just loves you. When Adam sinned and was hiding in the bushes because of his evil conscience, the Father came and wooed him back, right, and covered him up so that he wouldn't feel naked. And God's trying to do that with each of us. He's trying to woo us back into union. Love doesn't control. So, yeah, he could write it in the sky in neon letters and and uh, we would all be forced. But he doesn't want to force because love doesn't force or control. It woos and it's patient and it's kind, looking for that day when we will re willingly respond in love and participate in the union being being offered imagine a universe where the problem is not actually being clean and loved but simply believing that you already are you see jesus sanctified you and he initiated union with you he brought himself into contact and into intimate fellowship with you on a permanent basis C.S. Lewis said he caused things to be other than himself, that being distinct, they may learn to love him and achieve union instead of mere sameness. It is true that our will not in submission to Christ decreases so that Christ may increase, but he didn't save you. He didn't redeem you in order for you to disappear. You see, because there's, there's the false you that died with Christ, all the bad things spoken over you, all the bad ideas you had, that died with Christ. But what came out of the grave, what's the new creation, 
is the you that was originally created, the you that has gifts and a personality and uh, the core of you that is a good creation. And Jesus reveals that as we participate in union with him, right? He's bringing us, <clears throat> he's bringing us to a consciousness of what his reality is that we're in union. Karl Barth said, Jesus Christ is God's mighty command to open our eyes and to realize that this place is all around us, that we are already in this kingdom and that we have no alternative but to adhere, to, but to adjust ourselves to it, that we have our being and continuance here and nowhere else. In him, we are already there. We already belong to it. To enter this command is to realize that in him, we are already inside. You see, Jesus initiated union. Union is not a goal if you try hard enough and you do enough disciplines and whatever your favorite discipline is, is, is a good thing if it helps you focus on the reality that's yours in Christ. But you see, God's not waiting for you to move him. He's waiting for you to acknowledge that he's moved you. <laughs> In fact, he moved right into you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if that sounds too good to be true, ask him, are you in there? Ask the Father, are you in there? It's important to realize that not only are Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you, but the Father's in you. Because when you realize that the Father is in you, it's the end of shame. It's the end of um, any equivocation that you might feel God has about his relationship with you. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. There is no God above the Father of Jesus to whom he reports. He was all in on it. Second Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the cosmos to himself, not counting men's sins against them, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We have a very specific ministry and calling in the gospel, and it is to preach to people reconciliation. We don't preach, we don't preach speculation about who's, who's in and out at the end of the day. We don't preach uh, condemnation. Uh, it, whoa. We preach reconciliation, that God reconciled you to himself. It's not your job to reconcile yourself to God. He's already committed. The question is, will you change your mind? Will you let go of anything you see as between you and the Father? Because he's all in on the relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, when we see that, we begin to see ourselves, we begin to see the Father differently. We begin to see him as love, as committed, as also in us dwelling, as not at a distance that we have to reduce, but we see him right there. Then we begin to see ourselves differently. We see ourselves as sons and daughters of the Most High God as our truest identity. We're sons and not servants. We're, we become family. We're friends, not slaves. We're insiders, not outsiders. We're not separate, but we have full access to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they have full access to us. We are known by them, and we are accepted in the Beloved. John says, 
And once we see God differently is near and fully committed and fully connected, we begin to see others differently. <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians 3, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. 2 Corinthians 5.19 again, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the cosmos to himself. And once again, does this mean that you don't have to believe? Well, you absolutely have to believe. But your belief is not what makes it true to God. Your belief is what makes it true to you. Love doesn't control, and God will let you take as long as you want to realize how loved you are and how included you are in the life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit until you be let down all your objections. What's your best objection? <laughs> Do you feel like an orphan? Well, you've been adopted. Do you feel like an outsider? You're an insider. Do you feel like uh, you know, you're the wrong race? Well, you've been grafted in. Whatever your excuses, your, your sins have separated you from God. The blood of Christ sprinkles your conscience and cleanses, cleanses your conscience. So throw up your best objection. <laughs> and the Bible has a picture. It has a metaphor. It has uh, uh, like a family scrapbook. It has a picture that will change your mind. <laughs> Romans 2.4. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. You see, sometimes we've made up a God to go with our evil conscience, or we've listened to the accuser of the brethren. But the Holy Spirit is not trying to convict you of your sin. He's trying to convict you of your innocence. Why? Because innocence is necessary for intimacy, and intimacy is what they've always been about. I know, I know, it's, it might be controversial. You might have questions. Maybe we'll get to talk about some of those. But this is the reason you can believe. You see, the gospel doesn't demand faith to change God's mind. It supplies faith to change your mind. It's always been about us changing our minds, not about changing God's mind. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so in conclusion, <laughs> before we get to communion, um, Communion is where we're going to celebrate our innocence today and invite the joy of the Holy Spirit um, in, to connect with, connect with us. You see, this union is not a reward for future good behavior. You don't earn the nearness of God. God doesn't get up every day with a clipboard and say, how, how are they doing today? I'm going to come a little closer or step back a little bit. Uh, that that makes you feel good, gives you something to brag about if, <laughs> in religion, but it's not reality. Um, the reality is God's all in. <laughs> He's united himself with you. The question is, are you going to realize it? You see, the veil in the temple was torn in two once for all, inside out, top to bottom. The veil meaning separation between you and God. Jesus did that. You see, Jesus accomplished union as your starting point, not as a goal. Now, we can talk ourselves into distance. 
and a lot of a lot of the time we we basically are repeating what the accuser of the brethren is saying that your 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 sins have separated you from God. Uh, they've separated you from God, but not God from you. So all you have to do is change your mind, and you realize how near He is, right? And that happened a long time ago. It happened uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead. It happened when you became conscious and you invited Jesus into your heart. And it will happen as you be grow and you become more conscious. It will happen when you have, uh, as the Holy Spirit likes to do, these ecstatic experiences of encountering God. It might happen when you're being healed. You see, it's a relationship. It's not an event or a transaction, right? It's like saying my marriage is my marriage certificate. And but you have a don't have a good relationship, but you just keep pointing to the marriage certificate and go, well, I'm married. No, marriage is a relationship that grows and changes. And your relationship with God is the same way. And um, so often we're like, yeah, I got my ticket punched and it's all good. But no, he he wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants you to participate in this perichoretic union with distinction where you're celebrated, where you belong, where you matter, where Holy Spirit gets up every day like Tigger with pom-poms and says, what are we going to do today? What good holy trouble are we going to cause uh, the, the enemy of our soul today by being joyous and by being full and by not giving in to fear? What are we going to do today? That's what Holy Spirit is thinking. <laughs> so you're in union now, and it's your starting place of intimacy, and you will grow and you will mature and you will become more loving because you matter and because you belong. And this is part of the gospel. The gospel is not just about being sorted for in and out later. The gospel, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, 2 says, today's the day of salvation. The gospel is about living a life of joy and purpose and belonging uh, right now. That's part of the gospel that we preach, reconciliation right now. I love this quote by Robert Capon, kind of sums this up. He says, but all the while there was one thing we most needed even from the start and certainly will need from here on out into the new Jerusalem. The ability to take our freedom seriously and to act on it, to live not in fear of mistakes, but in the knowledge that no mistake can hold a candle to the love that draws us home. My repentance, accordingly, is not so much for my failings, but for the two-bit attitude toward them by which I made them more sovereign than grace. Grace is the imperative to hear the music and not just listen for errors. It makes all infirmities occasions of glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us union as our starting point. Lord, help us to open our eyes and our hearts to see and participate in the intimacy that you have given us in Christ and in your good Father and in the Holy Spirit. And thank you for giving us communion to remind us of that in Jesus' name. If you, uh, <clears throat> if you have your elements, <clears throat> let's see here. Oh, uh, yep, elements. 
Um, I want to read a little bit and let's share communion together. And communion <clears throat> is a time of celebration. It's a time of tuning into Holy Spirit and letting him remind you, letting her remind you. Uh, some of the verbs are feminine many times, <laughs> but uh, remind you of your innocence. Jesus tells us in John 14, 20, objectively, we're in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he gave us communion to remind us of this reality because we can forget. Paul further explains the need to subjectively examine ourselves before receiving communion to enjoy the intention of Jesus that we subjectively experience what he knows to be objectively true about us. So what do we see when we examine ourselves? Do we look for sin and find guilt and pause to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to testify of our innocence? You see, at times of communion, we can listen to the voice of the accuser of the brethren, or we can listen to the Holy Spirit. How do you know the difference? Holy Spirit is speaking of your innocence and of the effectiveness of the blood of Christ and of your very re real and present union with Christ in you, the hope of glory and the good father and Holy Spirit. So if we persist in believing the lie that our behavior is what qualifies us for acceptance before the father, we can find condemnation unto negative effects. But if we believe the truth and truly behold ourselves in Christ, then we find health and joy and peace and love in the Holy Spirit who bears witness of our innocence and the objective truth that we are clean and accepted in the beloved. Communion is the simple yet powerfully mystical reminder from Jesus to boldly go before the throne of grace and enjoy the union embrace of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is the end of condemnation as peace, love, joy, health, and life become our reality. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was pierced for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us, that sprinkles our conscience so that we know that we are innocent and we can boldly go before the throne of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So I'd urge you this week, to maybe read John 14 again and think about what he's saying about if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Think about what he's saying when he's talking about being in the Father and you being in him in John 14, 20. And think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit 
and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you in all truth as you as you read those passages. Amen. Jesse, did you have some some questions you maybe wanted to uh, talk about or? If you're here today and you're you're feeling fear, I just want to pray for you and just say that his perfect love casts out fear and that he is present. And I pray that you would be able to really connect with the presence of God that casts out fear right now. Let me uh, see if I can pray for you and just say that his perfect that love casts his perfect out love fear. casts out fear and that he and is that present he is present and I pray go ahead okay uh, yeah I, I I muted the uh, the other videos it sounded like it was out of the sink there so you can hear me there you are i can hear you i'm with watching you yeah okay did you want to finish that prayer i'm going to jump in a couple questions i had for you (laughs) well i just i just feel like there are people out there right now who um you know they're they're feeling disconnected and they're they're feeling fearful and 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 sometimes we've heard you know that fear balances love or something like that but uh fear casts out love yeah and uh fear you're not your best self with fear that's why uh just again i i think a real verse for for this these times is you know god's not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind and so i just i bless everyone with that and and I I I pray that God would increase your sensitivity and your consciousness to when you're listening to fear and when you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And this would be a time where our discernment would be sharpened about that, right? Because we want the power and the love and the sound mind and the good judgment and the self-discipline, self-control. We don't want the confusion that goes with fear, which is not from God, right? Yeah. Hey, I had a uh, question. Um, and let me know in the comments if you can't hear me still. This might be, let me know if this is better. Um, Rod, so, uh, so it, it, you know, what what I what you said was just phenomenal. I, I, you came back to it. I loved it, you know, that that fear doesn't, doesn't balance, or love doesn't balance out fear. Um Let's see. Um, what's the question? A question from Glenn. I thought I heard you say earlier that when we love well, we encourage and recognize differences between us rather than trying to coerce sameness. Is this correct? Yeah. What I what I mean by that is um, uh, obviously there's attributes of Christ that we share, the fruit of the Spirit, and those are common, uh, but there is a part of us that's unique. In other words, we don't all have to have the same gift. We don't always have to have the same opinion, right? Um, 
So when the Holy Spirit's operating, we feel powerful. In fact, that verse talks about love, power, and sound thinking. That's evidence that we're uh, we're operating, you know, in a consciousness of union. Yeah. But but sometimes we we try to when we're not operating that way, we're operating out of fear. Sometimes we try to make everybody think the way we do or, or be the same way. Right. And, um, so that, that's the only point I was trying to make there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love what you said. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we're just, we just got to be like Jesus all the time. And, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like we, we forget about our uniqueness and it's like, well, what would Jesus do? Well, that's the wrong question. What would Jesus do as you um, there you be, go. Because you're actually, because you actually walk around like you know, you're rod, and and for you to be Eileen, your wife, that that would be weird. Um, not just weird, it'd be confusing. <laughs> and, and and I think yeah. you nailed it. Like you don't want your wife to be you. Um, you married her for a reason. I thought that was yeah. great. That's great. There's a, there's a uniqueness that Christ loves in saving you. So just brilliant. I like yeah. it. Um, I got a question. Um, that I was just thinking about. Um. Uh, you know, practically this stuff, I mean, this theology is one, it, the, I think the language you use is great. Kind of the one, some of the one liners and, and the way it's supported with everything else is powerful. Um, I, I think oftentimes I find myself, um, knowing these truths and, um, I'd like to think I know them, know them. Right. Um, yeah. and, and yet, um, I, sometimes it's like the monotony of life kind of steals the potency of it or steals the action portion of it. So it's like I can operate outside of this, these places. Um, and, um, and it's, you know, you know, just a few minutes down the road and I realize that I am not actually acting like I'm oneness with Christ. I've lost my hope or at least I've lost my, uh, my level of uh, perspective. Um, what, yeah. what, what do you do in those times and, um, when you know it, but how do I move forward and act it out? Yeah, that's, that's good. We do forget, right? <clears throat> and, um, I mean, Adam knew, you know, he was made in God's image. There's nobody else around, right? But he he believed a lie for a minute, and then pretty soon that sets in a chain of events inside you, right? And so I think, um, again, uh, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and self-control, right? So part of the reason that we we lose sight of it is we let a little fear in and sometimes it's not real obvious like oh i'm scared of something but it's more like do i trust god to be faithful do i trust this relationship uh that he really loves me you know what i mean maybe we have an echo from the accuser or maybe some some bad thing we read or heard or whatever and also the word, you know, the Bible, we've all been beat up over the, at least I have. Okay. I'm, I'm a little older. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, got to read your Bible. You know, it's like this guilt thing. But the reason you read your Bible is because you're, it's an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit teach you. And it's very important to tune into the right spirit when you're reading the word. Otherwise, you can just be getting information to condemn yourself or to argue about or condemn others. So you read the Bible. Jesus told us how to read it on the road to Emmaus. He said he opened the scriptures and he showed it where it testified of him. So what we do is we say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus and what I'm reading. And, and uh, 
I mean, I love the Old Testament. A lot of the stories are there, but the lens that we read those in is is through the New Testament and the New Covenant and what Jesus revealed about the Father. And so I like to read like uh, the real obvious passages because I, I feel like if I can get them down, I might be able to do better with the troublesome passages. But like John, you know, there's so much gold in John. Just yeah. looking at what Jesus talks about the Father. And, uh, you know, Colossians and Ephesians and all these great, great things. So um, one way to stay focused is to read it, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. The other is to stay connected with people. The other is to keep a short account, you know, with with others. And uh, I have a friend who says, uh, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets, you know, like, what are your secrets, you know, and. Uh, open up with someone and talk with them about it, your spouse, your friends, and just um, don't let stuff hang in there. You know, there's, whoa, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, and God will with it make a way to, to escape, right? So, yeah. Um, but, but also, I, I think reading specifically, you know, we've heard a lot of distance teaching on distance. So I think, it, you know, Take some time and read about union. You know, there's, I, I didn't even know the lot, all the stuff existed for years, you know, but there's, um, Jesus taught this. It's, it's not, we're not trying to bring God closer. He's trying to make us more aware, you know? Yeah. Well, as we, uh, gosh, I, honestly, Rod, I've got a hundred more questions, um, but I'll let you, uh, I, I'm a question guy, but I'm going to let you go in a minute. But would you, uh, would you just pray and just kind of just pray a blessing or whatever's on your heart for, uh, for our community and everybody else is watching. We've had consistently over 100 people watching, which is pretty fun. So, yeah, um, yeah we're just going to receive. Yeah, um, well, first of all, I want to say if, if you're listening to this, I, um, I, I feel really honored to be included in this. Jesse and I have talked about this. And you're really blessed that you have someone who's laying a foundation in who you are in Christ without a lot of the baggage, frankly, that comes with a lot of other things you might hear. So I, I feel like you guys are are being built up in who Jesus is, what he accomplished, and who you are in him. But particularly right now, who you are in him. Your identity is so important because... Um, that's what sustains you, you know, to get back to your other question, what sustains you is having confidence that you belong and confidence that you matter. And so I just want to bless everybody who's listening to this. You're on a journey together to um, renew your mind to the truth of who you are in Jesus. And, uh, well, you can't separate that from who Jesus is or what he accomplished, but it's really important to just meditate on that. Let it wash over you. And I just pray that the reality of your ever-present union, your belonging, and your significance in Christ would just permeate you in these days to come. And that your discernment, when fear comes to knock on the door, you'd be able to reject that and just connect that much lean that much more into holy spirit to say i want um you know i don't want confusion i want 
good thinking and power and love and joy and peace and all the good fruit of the Holy Spirit to be um, my atmosphere, my thinking, my, my um, actions towards others. This is a time, Lord, I pray that you would draw out of us, you, you, you'd help us to see the other-centered nature of your love. And uh, it's just a wonderful time to realize that there are other people who need the love that you put in us. And we are blessed as we participate with you in loving other people. In Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Ah, Thank you, Rod. Super hey, blessed by you guys. you guys. Yeah, you're one of our favorite churches out there. Love you guys. Bless you all. Uh, <laughs> love it, Rod. Well, we'll, we'll catch you later, and I'll, uh, I'll connect with you a little bit later, too. All right. Bye-bye. See you, Rod. Well, hey guys. Uh, oh, there we go. Hey guys, uh, I'm gonna let you guys all go. We've uh, we have uh, um, right afterwards the Zoom parties. I believe the links um, are in the description by now. I hope so. Um, if not, they can be throw them in the. Uh, uh, there's one. The South County Zoom link is right there. Um, jump in these things. These are fun. Even if it's for five minutes, ten minutes, see some faces. Um, oh, what's the difference between? The unity of the world and unity of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord. Um, okay. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think uh, I'm going to let you guys go. Um, jump into those groups if you want. Um, we're going to leave this going for a few more minutes. Um, and uh, um, that way you, you can uh, still comment if you want, or you can read some of the comments. And some of the links are, are going to stay live. Um, but feel free to jump off if you want. Um, I'll, I'll I'll shoot that question real quick. Let me see. It's let's see here. It said, um, "What's the difference between unity of the world and unity of the Holy Spirit?" You know, I, I think unity of the world is unifying yourself to what the world is saying, what the world is feeling. Um, so if the if the world right now is in chaos and fear, unifying yourself to that, I think that's pretty easy to understand. Um, Oh, yeah, and then unity with the Holy Spirit is really all that he's talked about today. Um, I do want to say that Steve Backlund is going to be here next Sunday, so he's still going to jump in. We're so excited. He'll be with us Sunday night. Um, I'm sorry, it's not Sunday night. Um, Saturday mo Sunday morning, he's with our friend's church Sunday night, actually. It was going to be really fun, Just Be Church. But, um, yeah, he'll be there Sunday morning. We're going to have him share and speak, get ready to laugh, and, and have some really high-level beliefs. And it's going to be powerful. Easter Sunday, um, so good, so good. So, anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. Bless you all. Thanks for jumping in. We had just a ton of people watching. It really feels like we're all watching together. So, um, well done. Also, there's virtual small groups, all sorts of fun stuff on Presence OC. Um, I'm just looking at some of the things coming in right now. Feel free to jump in. Union with Christ also looks like union with each other. So disconnecting and, um, and isolating actually cuts you off from the unity with God because he has made us to be unified together. I love that. I would have asked him way more about that, but we had to let him go. Anyway, love you guys. Bless you all. And uh, let me see if I can't get us back into. All right. I'll see you guys later.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.